few good men with Murray Jones, sharing stories of the unexpected journeys men have experienced when raising children with disabilities that need lifelong support. This is where men should really talk more to each other. And our world changed forever that day, and it's never been the same since. Make the most of what you've got. They are your kids. Look after them. Do the best you can. Told you I wasn't going to cry today, mate. <laughs> Everyone has the ability to have a ripple effect in whatever way they choose to. Which is where your concept of a few good men, I believe, has hugely to enable us men to handle it better. A Few Good Men, sponsored by Help Enterprises, a social enterprise helping people with disabilities lead fulfilling and independent lives. Welcome to A Few Good Men. I'm Murray Jones, a dad who knows firsthand that a disability diagnosis is just the start of an unexpected journey that changes the course of your life. Raising a child with autism has taught me lessons in resilience, love and understanding, but it has also been a challenging, sometimes lonely path. My experience has inspired me to let other men in similar situations know that they're not alone. Today's guest, Bill Savage, has lived through the spectrum of emotions that parenthood brings. Joy, uncertainty, determination and resilience. When his third child, James, was diagnosed with cerebral palsy at just nine months, after months of health challenges, it was a pivotal moment for Bill and his wife, Robin. Over 30 years later, they continued to provide unwavering support to James. There have been so many challenges on James' journey, nonverbal communication, integrating him within the community, and always planning for a future filled with inclusivity. And now with a young grandson also living with a disability, Bill's journey continues to be one of learning, adapting, and most importantly, loving. In our chat today, Bill opens up about this lifelong commitment, emphasizing the importance of positive attitude and the acceptance of life's unpredictable hand. Thanks for coming in, Bill. Pleasure being mine. part of a few good men. Tell us about, you know, how many children? Start at the beginning. I've been yeah. married for a bit over 50 years, and my wife is still working on improving me. We have three kids. Yeah. The eldest is a son of 45, a daughter a couple of years behind him, and James about eight years behind him. And James is the youngest. He's 36 years old now. He's the size of about a 14-year-old. He has cerebral palsy and a developmental delay. He gets around in a wheelchair or in a walking frame. He's nonverbal. He communicates via an iPad or with signs, and some of those signs are homemade ones. He loves socialising, and he's always looking for an opportunity to go out for a coffee. He was a writing for disabled customer for about 19 years. He loved that. It was good for his balance. And that only came to an end because we thought that maybe he should make way for some other kid to have a turn. That communication with the iPad, it's remarkable really that that's the way he communicates and that's the way you communicate with him. It's He uses it to tell us stuff, yeah. which is usually about that it was time he went away for another sleepover or invariably that he wants to go out for a coffee or to remind us about whatever he's got coming up yeah. in his life. Yeah. A lot of communication at home is done by signs. And, okay. And a lot we don't need just because we know him yeah. and so we know what he's going to want. We find that, say, a particular sign might mean something different according to the context, the time of day. Yeah. A lot of things you just know because... You've lived together for a long time. Yeah, yeah. So James was born, I mean, from what you've said, it was obvious at birth, was it, that he had some issues? 
he had a bad birth, but he just didn't settle down afterwards. And when I say a bad birth, I think it was one of those births where baby wants to come feet first or something like that from memory, and they have to turn him around. Anyway, after he was born, I remember he had a sore side of his head for a long time, which we put down to forceps delivery. And he had, look, he had reflux, I think, into his, until he was in his teens. But just things didn't settle down the way James's siblings had. Yeah. And eventually we went to see a Dr. David Fraser, who was somewhere high up at the Children's Hospital, yeah. who basically just laid it out for us what he thought James's future was. How, how old's James at this stage? He was nine months. Nine months, yeah. Okay. And so we were concerned young parents. Oh, yeah, yeah. But he yeah. was, he, Dr. Fraser was really good. He spelt it out. He probably got it pretty good. He, he said there'd be dis- cerebral palsy. He didn't know how bad. He thought James, he warned us James might well need to walk with calipers, which didn't seem such a onerous thing. And he warned us there'd be some sort of intellectual thing. But he did say, actually, that the eventual, how life eventually unfolded for James would depend upon his intellect, yeah. which is interesting. Dr. Fraser also uh, mapped out for us more or less what our next step should be, and sure. somewhere there he gave us like a list of who we should talk to, Yeah, and so that, that's where we got started. Can you remember that day? I can remember that day. We walked out of the hospital and... I think we were quite pleased because we knew, like we had some names of what it was and we had sort of had a plan. So we felt good. Yeah. You felt good? Yeah, we did, just knowing what we had to deal with. Yeah. So uh, that was the beginning. You felt, yeah. So it just gave you some... Well, we knew what we were dealing with. It gave us... Do you reckon, do you both felt good? Was it... Because it's a big day. I remember, yeah. So, look, I think. There's, there's a day, it's sort of a day, I mean, that most of us remember. Yep. That day of, oh, this is what it is. I think, look, I think Rob was pleased too. That was my impression. She, I, yeah. I've never, we've never talked about it a whole lot, but. Yeah. Because you just get consumed by fighting the battle. Yeah, you do get consumed by fighting the battle. He's nine months old, you've walked out, the battle begins or the yep. challenge begins. Yeah, I think, look, I think we didn't really think about long-term stuff. The short-term battles were enough and, and it was the initial years were probably pretty awful, but the totality of everything, you know, it's a bit like that story about the frog in the saucepan of water, it's slowly getting warmer. You just don't know what, you, what you're really into mm. and by the time you do, it's too late anyway. Mm. Um, and there's no way out anyway. No, there isn't. That's so what's your work one. again? You're an IT guy. In so, IT, yeah. Yeah, pretty senior. Yeah. I'd come out of being a partner in an accounting firm and I was setting up my own business that was IT oriented. Yeah. And there was a lot of pressures and I remember it was very difficult. Come home at night and sort of depressurize from work and get into disabled child mode. Mm. And I've since worked out if you go on holidays, it takes you probably ten days to de-stress and relax. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I don't think I was doing it very successfully doing that each night when I came home. So maybe I no, wasn't a lot of use. So when you say, you, you know, you're getting into disabled child mode, what do you mean? Well, it's just that when you're in work mode, everything's everything's fast and come home and everything's got to be slow. 
Yeah. Slow and quiet and gentle and things take time. Things don't go according to plan or little, little upsets. Look, it just, I can't remember better than that. Mm. Look, those early years, they're just a blur now, really. It's maybe it's best they stay a blur. It's, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't want to bring anything back up that, oh, you, no, that no, you don't talk no, about. It, but, it's no. just that when I look back, I know that was the, that was the hard years, I suppose, just getting in a groove of some sort and adjusting ourselves. Yeah. James' life is intertwined. If we can, I really want to talk about how have you gone through all this. Yeah, well, I don't know that I'm the most interesting part of the story, but anyway. I suppose how's having James given you a different perspective on life, do you think? Have you ever reflected on that or not? I don't, th- I don't think I really have. I mean, I'm probably a bit more inclined to take the view, look, this is what life is, so let's get on with it. Hmm. I know there's a, a bit in there about how it's changed me. I don't think it has. I think we stay the same person. Yeah. Maybe adapt, maybe some rough edges get rubbed off earlier than others, but we're staying basically the same person. But that adage of the frog boiling the frog in the water, a bit cruel when you think about it, the little frog sitting there in the pan and just doesn't realise that he's been cooked until he's dead. In itself, that's a pretty powerful analogy. Probably, but we're probably we're all in the same boat in that we're young parents and we've got a baby that's got issues and you just sort of, you know, get to and do what you can to deal with the issue and you don't really you're not really then thinking about what's it gonna be like in fifty years time or anything like that. It's just dealing I mean we were I think in those days we're really just living in the day to day. Yeah, just get get through this day. Yeah. Wake up, rinse, repeat. Let's yeah. do it again. Were there ever any moments where you felt lost, bitter, twisted, confused, lonely, any of those? Oh, look, I suppose there were times of feeling a bit beaten up. I don't know about lonely or confused, but just beaten up's probably. Beaten up, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But. Because you, you seem like a you're pretty, seem pretty happy, go lucky sort of bloke. Well, got a good outlook. It's not much point being sad, is there? Well, it's not going to change the outcome, is it? Or, or change the situation. James is James. Quite often, I reckon it helps when you look at. Uh, I know for us with Fred, look for his abilities, and he's a great little artist. Loves his music. He's the world's oldest Wiggles fan, which is a bit annoying, but he's starting to listen to a bit more of my music, which is great. But I mean, that um, is that something you've done with James? Focused on the positives. I'm not sure I know how to answer that properly. It's We've always done things with James that we thought were leading us in a forward direction. I don't know. I suppose we learnt how to motivate him when he didn't want to do something. Turned over every rock and explored every avenue to give him his best life. I think we have. I mean, certainly we've been guided by people we've met, whether they're therapy people or whatever. Probably really mostly just been guided by what we wanted as the the long-term outcome for him and accepting that it's going to be a different life from what his siblings have got. Did you have to sort of adjust those expectations like you thought? Because we've got a boy and two girls and you kind of think, oh, I used to love the beach or like riding motorbikes, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I thought, always in my head, I thought, oh, I'll teach my son how to ride bikes and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Was there ever um, that moment where you thought, oh, 
you've got this vision for James and then he's born and you find out about the disability and expectations or dreams disappear. Do you reckon, like on reflection, do you reckon you were always adjusting your level of expectation with what James was going to be able to achieve or not? Look, there might have been a, early on, I know we went through different versions of, say, workout routines for James simply because of me thinking, well, he's got a, a walking issue. If we work on the muscles of his legs that where things are good, maybe yeah. that sort of morphs into the muscles and influence the muscles that are a problem. Hmm. And we had all sorts. So had, he might walk. Yeah, yeah, might, yeah, but yeah. I think probably over time we had to accept that maybe that was hoping for a bit much. And at the end of the day, whether he can walk or not is not the end of the world. It's more his communication is more important to me. Yeah, there's so many things to focus on with James, weren't there? All right, Stella, oh, yeah. yeah. How does he communicate? Is there a hope there that he'll walk? There's one place he there's a place he goes to one day a week, and they get him walking there with sort of walking sticks that have got each stick's got a number of feet on them on the bottom. Yeah. And they get him walking with that. But that's in a controlled environment. We'd never let him do that. Out of the street. For real, yeah. Yeah. He'd get, he'd get hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's probably just, we just have to accept that, I think. I mean, there's some things you can't fight, and the reality is that he's not going to be able to walk. He can walk in a walking frame, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Now, I've seen him get around in the frame. He moves quite well around in the frame, doesn't he? Mm. He's always got that smile, James, hello, hello, mate, there you go. Yep. One of the things that I've noticed about James is he gets people smiling, doesn't he? He's got a really happy disposition. He's happy. Yeah, yeah. He's happy and he's always – the funny thing is even in the middle – even if he's having fun today, his first question will be about what what about tomorrow. He's always – it can be infuriating because you want him to stop and enjoy now. Yeah. But he's always thinking about tomorrow. Yeah. That coping strategy of, that you said about, oh, well, we just sort of, you know, we'll get on and do this and do that. Was that just part of your makeup, do you reckon? Do you pretty fairly pragmatic sort of bloke? Probably. Did your, your upbringing, I mean, we, you know, what was your old man like? He was. Presumably he's not with us anymore. No, he's dead now. He was also a, an accountant. Was he? He did very well for himself. He was a prisoner of the Japanese during the war. Spent mm-hmm. the whole you know, from fall of Singapore to end of the war. He was a POW. Jeffers. And the biggest, strongest guys didn't survive. I think, my words, I think it's probably the guys who could accept not being the biggest, strongest guy and who just and could just keep their head down and survive. But in, he, in the prisoner of war camp. Yeah. 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 Uh, it was pretty rugged, but. He wrote a book, but he never really – I said to him after he wrote his book, I said, you'd have to add all the grisly bits. Mm. And his response was, no one would believe it. So, look, he came back. Look, I think he was always a pretty clear-thinking, determined guy, a dispassionate sort of guy. Mm. Were you close with your dad? Look, probably not as close as I am with my kids. Yeah. And I think that was just – he was a product of his generation and – um and certainly he was one to sort of get on with things and not complain. You reckon you've inherited that trait? Well, maybe, and I think it's probably good. He was the sort of guy who, if 
if things went wrong, his response wasn't, whose fault is it? His response was, what have we got to do to get everything back on track? And I think that's probably a pretty good attitude well, to have. Well, it seems like you're, the apple doesn't fall far from well, the Well, maybe, tree. maybe, but I think that's probably good. To be worrying about was wrong done in the past, in this case, to James or to any of us, really, you know, we're here now and that's in the past, so. Yeah, yeah. No, I know, we, and it's a whole different issue, but with that bloody uh, triple antigen, you know, the measles, mumps, rubella, that um, there's a lot of controversy about. Was it partly a cause of autism? You know, we're sort of always looking, oh, if if only we, for a long time, if only you hadn't had that bloody triple antigen, it was a different boy from then. But then they say, oh, no, that's just a coincidence because at 18 months old, that's when you recognise they're not hitting the milestones. But the point that I was going to make is that it took a little while to shift from, because it's a, it's a pointless exercise, really. Whether or not the MMR caused it or not is irrelevant, because he is who he is. Right? Exactly, yep. And there's nothing we can do about it. Blaming the government, blaming, you know, whoever it is. That, but what are you going to do about it? You can't, you can't go back and say, I'm not going to give him the MMR. So for me, it really it was a big one to get through. And then I kind of came to the realisation that you've indicated is, what's the point? Like, there's nothing you can do about it. He is who he is. You know, he's a beautiful boy. We've got a responsibility to give him his best life and just get on with it. So you sound like you got there quicker than most people. Well, maybe you're a more sensitive person than me too. I don't know quite the right words, but I wear I'm, I'm, I'm hard on my sleeve a bit. But yeah. I'm probably not good at being empathetic to other people's issues and being concerned about whether everyone's having a happy day or whatever. And maybe that's been harsh. I can't think of the right words, but mm. I'm probably not the one who gets out of bed in the morning and thinks, "Well, now how, how can I brighten everyone else's day?" So whether whether that's made a made a difference. Um, Rob's the part of the, she's the other half of the act. That's her job to be bright and cheery. And Well, she does a good, she's always seems pretty bright and cheery. And she's told me that, you know, for both of you, I think I'm right in saying you or Robin, one of you had a really privileged upbringing. She said, oh, it's just dancing along and, you know, the parties and do this. And Phil and I had, you know, we had a wonderful life and then boom. And she said, we've still got a wonderful life. But she seems really pragmatic and. Cheers, yes, got a cheery disposition and you know this is called a few good men but it's in no way meant to say how good are we for getting through this and how for most of us we wouldn't get through the journey without our better house i think we're very lucky to i know i couldn't have got through it we couldn't have got through it without pam and I'll, you probably feel the same way about robin you know, i'm oh, sure totally. it is definitely a two people job hmm. how how a single parent with a disabled child copes i've got no idea i don't know either it must be awful I just can't fathom it. It might be an opportune time now to talk about your daughter. Is that okay? Yep, yep. So Victoria, my understanding is she's got two two kids. Two boys, yep. Two boys. And one of them was a really difficult birth. Is that right? Lachlan, who is now 12, I think. He was born at 27 weeks, which was a surprise. Tori went to work one morning. This is your grandson. Yep. And... The next 27 morning. weeks, yeah, because yep. 40 is a full, yeah. Yep. I think 26 is the cutoff point where before which there's no hope. Mm. That's the way I understand it. Anyway, yeah. Victoria went to work one morning and yeah, by the same time the next morning she had a baby and she wasn't expecting it for some time. I don't think it was a difficult birth. I think it was something like there was some infection in the placenta or 
there was something like that. Yeah. That caused the thing to happen early. Yeah. And Lachlan spent three months. He, I think he was 1.2 kilograms when he was born, something like that. It was yeah. tiny. Yeah. yeah. He spent three months in intensive care, and Victoria spent most of that three months or a lot of that three months there. I think she ended up not sleeping there, but that was a pretty awful time for him too. Three very, months in intensive care. Yep. Very early in the piece, yes. when they were explaining to Victoria and Nigel what the prognosis might be, mm-hmm. they said, well, probably cerebral palsy, which I think Victoria got quite upset about because she knew about cerebral palsy from James. And so that was... Um, I, you know, when I heard about that, I just thought, really, the newborn's parents don't really need to know all the harsh facts straight away. Mm. I think sometimes maybe it's kinder to let Although them. Although you did. Well, we were yeah. nine months down nine the track. Months. Oh, yeah. We knew something wasn't yeah. right. But anyway, yeah. I suppose when the baby's born at 27 weeks, you know something's not right yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, their issue was that Lachlan had no use of his legs. Couldn't, I mean, if he... He was lying in bed, he couldn't move his ankles apart or something like that. So they've had to move him all the time. If he needed to move, if he needed to roll over in bed, they had to do it. How did you feel you got a son with disability in there and then lightning strikes twice and you got a grandson? Well, I don't think there's a connection. No, no, there's no yeah, genetic. I don't know. I suppose I accept that's what is. Yeah. What we can do to help, we will. Yeah. It's a bit hard living on the other side of town and we don't see them as, as often as we should. But as parents, they've, they've done really well. They've got a group of very supportive friends. The school Lachlan ended up going to has been brilliant. The way the story went, I think, was that it's a little Catholic, well, it's not that little, but it's a little Catholic school near where they live. And they went there to see about could we bring Lachlan? And Lachlan was in a wheelchair. And they talked with the school, and the school said, Look, we'd really love to, but we simply don't have the budget for the extra person we'd need to be able to have Lachlan here. Yeah. So Tori and Nigel went away pretty disappointed. They had a phone call a couple of days later to say, We've been looking at our budgets and we've worked out how we can do it. Yeah. So Lachlan's been there for quite a while now and the school has been marvellously supportive all the way through. Yeah. They took Lachlan to America last year. Yeah. And they had a big fundraiser, a lot of fundraising stuff to find the money for that and for the medical thing, that stuff that he had. But the school was very active and helpful when they were in the, in the fundraising role when they were raising money to go to America, yeah. just among all the parents there. That um, yeah. So, you know, yeah. and it's really nice. Do you think that some of the lessons that you and Robin learned from with having James, you think you've been able to provide some help there? Your well, son-in-law, has he you've been able to have the sort of man-to-man chat with him about things at all? I don't know that we've t- – we haven't talked about deep and meaningful things yeah. about it. We've talked about practical things he was having to, to yeah. deal with. Yeah, Tell me, I was going to ask you earlier to the um, with James because he is a lovely young fella. Have you got any um, funny stories, stuff that's happened? Well, I don't know about things that are funny to anyone else. Where he goes for weekend respite, there is a, a male carer and a female carer, both of whom he loves, and he would rather be living with them than living with us. Recently, he because they don't live there, do they? 
No, no, no. no. They're, they're just two individual yeah, yeah. people. Yeah, it's the same they, place Fred goes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah. and they're really nice. Yeah, but yeah, they are. recently, only probably a month ago, James showed Rob uh, the houses for sale page in the local rag and pointed to a house and conveyed to Rob that he wanted to go and live there with that particular female carer. <laughs> and, and Who's married, I think, by the way. But well, that's, 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 I don't know that he has really thought the whole thing through, hmm. but, you know, we've agonised for years about how are we going to break it to James about one day he has to leave home. Hmm. And we'd have thought he'd be distraught and he'd miss us. He can't, as it turns out, he can't wait to move can't out. Can't wait. Yeah, that's no, funny, though, isn't it? You, you don't need to analyse and worry about things too much. Mm. Do you think about that much, about when you're pushing up daisies? Where, where's James going to go? What's he going to do? Think about it a lot. Mm. The It's a big one. It is It is a big one. And we don't. there's a lot of answers we don't have. I think that we accept, understand that he will need to live somewhere with other disabled people, simply yep. because the economics of care don't allow anything else. Yeah. And we have thought in the, you know, the modern thing now is is a house with sort of five or six kids or grown-ups, grown-up disabled people and a carer or a couple of carers, and that seems to have been the thing that you aim for these days. Twenty-plus years ago, I got involved talking with some guys about all our, you know, disabled kids all living together in like a retirement yep. retirement village for disabled people. Yeah. And I spent a lot of time on that. And actually it started off with a, another father pony riding. Yeah. Spent a lot of wisdom come from that place. But anyway, yeah. we had a group of guys. We worked on that, on, on how it would work, how we'd put it together. Yeah. Help Enterprises helped us get a, 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 grant a, a government grant yeah. to explore that. And... To cut a long story short, the grant funded some research, a consultant, public meetings, all that sort of stuff, and it was quite educational, but the upshot was that maybe what we had in mind wasn't the right idea. Yeah. And so that thing just died. But I think some good came out of it, and it sort of sounds like now there is a new concept of how you might do a village. Well, there is, That sounds encouraging. Yeah, since that report, and I've actually got a copy of that report on my desk. And it's really interesting because it was done nearly 20 years ago and yet all the issues are the same. Yep. I wanted to touch back again on, so I started to talk about before, but, you know, your, your parents and Robin's parents who are supportive. Have you got your own support network? Have you got some good friends that have been supportive who may or may not have a child with a disability? Look, our families have, particularly times gone by, have been when James was, was younger, were all very supportive. I suppose a lot of them were a bit spread around. We haven't had many members of the family who've, say, babysat James or come yeah. and minded him while we had a holiday or anything. Yeah. Everyone has been, our family and friends have all been very inclusive of James yeah. and kind to him. I don't know if anyone's ever been unkind to him, but yeah. um, everyone has been kind to him. Our children's friends always just treated him like another member of the family. I think young people today are much better at people with a disability. When we were kids, we never saw someone with a disability. It's big, you know, and I think um, if the kids today 
can somehow learn, create or live in a world that you know, where people with disability, they're just people. Almost ignore the labels and, oh, well, James is a little bit different, gets around in the walking frame, but so what? I found out today or reminded today that there's um, Barbie dolls and I think Ken dolls you know, mm. now with wheelchairs and that's really important stuff. But So you didn't ever feel like you're on your own? I think to the contrary, we, because we've been, I mean, a disabled kid takes up a lot of time. Just mm. some, it somehow happens. Mm. I think there's a lot of friends we've lost touch with or yeah. people we would have liked to have got to know better just because there's not time and People who don't have a disabled kid probably don't understand that you can't just drop everything and say, oh, yeah, let's uh, let's go to the coast for the weekend tomorrow mm. or something. Mm. You certainly lose spontaneity, don't you? Totally, absolutely yeah. totally, and I think yeah. people don't understand. I've got a mate with a, with a yacht. Yeah, He's always inviting me to go sailing, but it's usually on Friday, which is a case of, hey, Bill, you know, the weather's going to be great tomorrow, let's go sailing. And you can't just do things like that. No. You've got to plan to the month in advance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so that's that's been... You do. You do. Yeah. Hey, why don't we go to the footy or why don't we do this? Yeah. It just doesn't happen. No, it's it just, doesn't happen. It but, doesn't happen. So you like, you lose connections along the way. But, you do. And you gain some new ones. Well, I wouldn't have met you. You so, meet a whole different group of people. Hmm. Well, you, you enter this world of disability that you did... You know, I mean, and it's been a common sort of theme with the blokes I've been talking to. You, you know, this door opens and you enter this world you didn't even know existed, never really gave it a thought mm, yeah. because up until Fred, I can't remember, I, there's none of my family or friends who had a child with a disability and then suddenly the door opens and you go into well, this world. Well, I grew up, my father was a businessman, my career was in business scene, the disability Thing, is a whole different group of people with different skills and who are, I don't know how to describe it, but but they can slow themselves down to the sort of to the speed of their disabled charge mm. and they're so good at it and in relating mm. and everything where a lot of the rest of us will be saying, look, you know, come on, hurry up, we've got to get on and mm. do the next bit. I know you've been you know busy businessman, but maybe you've become a bit more patient. I'm sure I've had to learn to be more patient. Mm. More patient and accepting of things that I can't do anything about. More aware of people with a disability? More empathy, certainly. do you think? Absolutely, certainly. And the other thing is that I'd say I'm probably much more inclined to go and offer to help, not necessarily a disabled person, might be the little old lady crossing the road. But I feel much more confident. You know, you always think, should I interfere? Mm. But I feel much more confident about putting going, yourself out going there and offering anyway. Well, that's interesting. Look, maybe it's part of getting older too. Maybe. Maybe it's a combination of both. Maybe. I think maybe as you get older, you get less worried about what people are going to think. Yeah. Yeah, with James, was there ever that kind of embarrassed or, you know, we're not going to take James here in case James does that. Because for me, anyway, just in my head, you know, I used to, oh, what, what do people think? And now I don't give a rat's, really. We've never worried about something like that. Mind you, we consider we're lucky because James's issues are all visible. And so it's easy for people to see he's and got, he's disabled. somehow relate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Various members over the years, various members of the family have helped James broaden his language 
mm. is sign language with signs for swear words. <laughs> and signs for swear words. And love it. Yeah. Um, the official sign language books don't cover that. <laughs> um, so he needed a way of giving people the finger. Mm. I think David did that bit of this coaching. Is, this is beautiful. Yeah. And yeah. the finger normally, we'd do it like that. Mm. The best James can do is that. Yeah. Which is quite fortunate because he will, <laughs> he, he knows when to use it. When yeah. he's a, if, he's, if he's annoyed with me, yeah. he'll be going like this at give me. Give you the finger. Yeah. Yeah. But if we pass a car in the traffic, James will give the other guy a finger as we. Oh, does he? Now, I don't know. I think that comes from his mother's side of the family. Yeah. I, he wouldn't yeah. have got it from my side. Yeah. But yeah. if we passed a guy on the beach at Fraser who was bogged, James would do this at him as we went past. <laughs> well, lucky he didn't have the third, you know. Yeah. So, but um, the other favourite one is Tough Titty. Oh, that's and, gold. And that James gold. uses that's that. Gold. that. He is. knows exactly how to use it. Yeah. Um, if one that's, of his – That's sensational. He loves to tease me. And every day we will have at least once a day the conversation about, oh, James is going out for a coffee. So I'll say, oh, James, you're going to get me a coffee. He'll say no. And I'll say, come on, I, you know, I get you one. You got, you got to get me one. No. And it, eventually there'll be – I'll, I'll say, look, you know, that'll make that makes me sad. Yeah, yeah so yes. I get the tough titties. Tough so. titties. <laughs> so he knows. I mean, well, I mean, uh, I just think it's all there's a lot going on in there. Well, I just, I was, it absolutely, mate. It does. It, you know, there's a there's a lot going on. All right, Bill. Well, thank you very much, mate, for coming in and and having a chat and talking about your journey. And hats off to you, mate. You've done a fantastic job, you and Robin, with with James. And I think maybe um, credit mum with mum. Well. Congratulations, Robin. Yep. But congratulations to you too, Bill. He's a wonderful young fellow, James, and it's been an absolute pleasure, mate, having a chat. Well, thanks You're for a good having me, Murray. Thanks. That was a fantastic conversation with Bill Savage. His story reinforces the belief that love, coupled with a positive approach, can help us surmount the toughest of challenges. Thanks, Bill, for your openness and insights. If Bill's journey resonated with you, or if you know someone who'd appreciate it, please share this episode. And remember to subscribe to A Few Good Men for more meaningful stories. If you could take a moment to leave a review, we'd really appreciate it. Your feedback is crucial in building our community. Thanks again to our sponsor, Help Enterprises, a social enterprise helping people with disabilities lead fulfilling and independent lives. Next time on A Few Good Men... John Johnson shares his moments of doubt when he had to dig deep and find the resilience to stand up and carry on. You know, there were times where I had a moment to have a cup of tea and just close my eyes and just relax and um, I'd think, oh, I'm totally through with this, you know. But you'd have your rest and you'd get up and you'd dust off and carry on. I'm Murray Jones. Thanks for joining us on A Few Good Men. To keep the conversation going, please connect with us on our website where you'll find resources, stories from fellow fathers and caregivers, and ways to interact with our growing community. Visit afewgoodmen.com.au. A Few Good Men, sponsored by Help Enterprises, a social enterprise helping people with disabilities lead fulfilling and independent lives. A Few Good Men is a Welcome Change Media production.